turn your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. We are talking about the love of God, and we're looking at God is love right now. This is such a powerful thing. Such a powerful thing. And uh, what I want to do is to get us up to speed to where we left off last week. I'll just... Um, yeah, I might just read out some of the things that I read to you last week. I'm not going to comment on them. I just want, to, just want to remind you of them. Is that okay? All right, we begin in verse 7, where the Apostle John wrote, and he said, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. Now, I want you to see something here, that what the Apostle John is actually saying here is because God showers His love on us, that's why he says, let us love one another, for love is of God. The love that we have comes from Him. He showers that love on us, which allows us to love one another. Are you all with me? Amen? And uh, then he, he goes in to say, He who does not love does not know God, for he says, God is love. Now that is such a powerful statement. And I want to read something that I read to you last week. Again, because it's so powerful. And he says that these, uh, these words are the greatest words ever spoken in human speech. The greatest words in the whole Bible. I think that is key. Not God is power, but God is love. Amen? And he says here, it is impossible to suggest, even, the, even in the briefest outline, all that these words contain. For no human and no created intellect, I really like the way he says created intellect. Everything is created except God. Only God can really understand this. Right? And so he says, for no human or created intellect has ever or will ever fathom their unfathomable meaning. Sorry, that word didn't come out really well. But <laughs> you know what I'm saying. But we may reverently say that this one sentence concerning God contains the key to all God's works and ways. The mystery of creation, redemption, and the being of God himself. Even the being of God himself can be understood through this one thing. That God is love. Now we know that God is light as well. But you need to see all of this right now in, through the eyes of love. Okay? Because light brings something else in. And we're not talking about that today. Remember again that we looked at uh, what John MacArthur said in his commentary. And that is love is inherent in all God is and does, even his judgment is perfectly harmonized with his love. And now the Apostle John, then, and this is where we left off last week, the Apostle John then goes in to tell us what this love did for us when we were imprisoned in and slaves to sin, darkness, and death. You know, I said this, but I, I was looking at it thinking, I really didn't explain that very much. Do you know we were imprisoned? We were slaves to this. We were imprisoned in darkness, in sin. We were slaves to darkness. We were slaves to sin and to death. And we need to understand something. We, and you know, as a slave, you don't have any rights. You know, <laughs> it, it's really, really sad. Some of the history, as I was going through the history of the church and, and some of the things that happened along the way, it was really sad to hear about slavery. 
was really sad to hear that, you know, when people sold people off, you didn't, your life didn't belong to you. It, it belonged to somebody else. And they would sell off the husband and they'd sell off the wife to somebody else. Think about this. They'd sell off the children somewhere else. Sell them off. Never to be, they'd never see each other again. And the heartbreak that went with that. That's what it means to be a slave. It means you have no rights. You have no power whatsoever. And that's what this is talking about. That we were slaves. We had no power against this thing. We were slaves to sin. We were slaves to darkness. Do you hear me? And that's what God redeemed us from. Instead of God looking down at us and, and saying to us, Oh, you poor things. I feel so sorry for you. Let's read what verses 9 and 10 say. See, you really need to say, I, I'm sorry, it's a bit depressing, but you, <laughs> you need to see these verses in light of what I've just said. Because there's such a rejoicing here. I want you to rejoice when he says, In this, the love of God was manifested toward us. That God has sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. He says, and in this is love. Not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be, to be the propitiation for our sin. He paid the price for it. He saw us on that block. We were slaves. And He said, I'm buying that. And He pointed to you. He pointed to me. And he says, I'm paying the price for them. See, once you're set free, whom the Son has set free, get this, is free indeed. So your old slave master can't come and say, now you have to. And you say, no, in Jesus' name. Are you all with me? You need to understand the power of this because God said, this is not happening. Even though they sinned and caused this, this is not happening. In fact, that's where I want to get to today. All right. I have to read last week's commentary to lead into the commentary I want to lead, uh, talk about this week. Remember again, we looked at Colin G. Cruz just when we finished off. It says, the author begins negatively by pointing out that love is not to be understood in terms of our love for God. This is love, not that we love God. Having made that clear, he states positively that love is to be understood in terms of God's love for us. This is love, he says, that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sin. The emphasis in the Greek is that God sent his son, sent Jesus Christ to be the atoning sacrifice to remove the guilt we had incurred because of our sins. So that we might have eternal life. This was the greatest expression of God's love. And on this basis, the author can say, God is love. Now let's go on to what I want to talk about today. Howard Marshall, in his commentary, points back to the Father and says that in fact, oh, excuse me, in the act of God sending His Son as the propitiation or anointing sacrifice for our sins, we find the deepest meaning of the term love. In God sending His Son, we see this love. The deepest meaning. Who would give up their kid 
for somebody that knowingly did the wrong thing, got into trouble, and now life is expected as a price to pay for it. We would say, you know, you committed a sin, you pay for it. But God isn't that way. God is love. Let's continue. There's so much in here. He says, love means forgiving the sins of the beloved and remembering them no more. And remembering them no more. Forgiving and then forgetting. See, God doesn't remember your sin. Whenever, see, this is why 1 John 1 9 is so powerful and so necessary. If we acknowledge our sin, He forgets about it. While we don't, He remembers. <laughs> did, you, did you get that? Can we not hang on to stuff? Because He's got to remember to tell you to, for, to, to ask for forgiveness. Remember to tell you that there's, there's something in the way of your relationship with Him. Remember to tell you that you've opened the door for the devil and you need to shut that door. So He'll continually remind you of it, not to harass you, but so you can shut the thing. So you can you know, stop the devil's activity in your life. So that He can forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness and return you back to a place of perfection. So the devil can't touch you. Not so you can be self-righteous. That's another sermon for another day. Anyway. (laughs) This is what God has done for rebellious mankind. Listen, please listen to this. He pardons their sins against himself at his own cost. This is so important. He pardons our sins against himself at his own cost. To remove this element from the biblical teaching on the nature of God's love is to water down the concept of love beyond measure. Did you get that? See, we need to understand something that God paid the price for this. For God, see, this goes back to John 3.16. For God so loved you, Everybody in the planet, the whole world, that he gave his very best. He loved you so much that he gave his best. And all he asks is believe. Believe I've done this. Receive what I've done. Trust me. Don't trust in your feelings. Don't trust in anything other than what I've said. You know our feelings can fool us. People have all kinds of stuff going on in their head and their heart. That's not true. It's all lies. It's just out there. And the devil will sow lie after lie. And if you listen to it, you'll be his slave. Even though you're free, you'll be his slave. Because you're willing to listen and, and cooperate with it. The Bible talks about a wisdom that comes down from below. It's demonic. It's devilish. It's there to keep you in fear, in bondage, all sorts of things. That's why it says, watch out for that. Because it makes sense, but it's not true. (laughs) But then there's a wisdom that comes from above. That says, I have overcome all of this stuff. Do you want to believe that? It's your choice. We choose to either believe or not. 
You know, this is where the power comes from. This church needs to be a, a church full of God's power based on God's love. Not based on selfishness, not based on pride, not like the Corinthians. Ooh, look, I had ten tongues today. I had five prophecies, all of which were wrong. But anyway, you know, <laughs> you know and, and you know, I, I want to I say something too, because I want to be seen and all that stuff. Not that kind of stuff. That's why the Apostle Paul says, the great of these is love. He says, do everything from love. If you are not doing it from love, then you're just, a, just you know, one of those loud gongs, you know. Boing! It makes a big noise, but that's about it. There's no substance to it. Amen? It's one thing if you're ringing it to tell people that food's ready. It's another thing when you just ring it to bring attention to yourself. What's, what makes anything of substance is love. If you do something from love, then you are doing something because you want to help someone. Because you want to make their life better. Because yours is better. And we need that family. You know, you need to be a little bit selfish to begin with. No, seriously, I, I'm just being honest with you right now. Do you know babies are the most selfish things on the planet? They don't get up, you know, or they don't come out and put on the nappy and go to work. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We don't say get a license, get a job as soon as you come out. But are you still doing crawling around? No? <laughs> okay. They need time. They need to be loved. You know, that's one of the things that when you're learning about children and ministering to children, the first thing, and I mentioned this before, the first thing is that they need to feel secure in their environment. They need to know that they're loved. They need to know that if they cry, the parent won't walk out saying, well, you know, they just need to learn to stop crying by themselves. Or whatever. There's different cries. You need to figure them out. Okay, I'll just say that. And, and so, you know, this is talking about... See, when we come into this world, we're looking to be loved. We're looking for security. We're looking to see if people care about us. Whether they take time out to listen to us. Are you all with me? And so, what we learn from that, then we grow up with. Those children that have been neglected grow up believing that, you know, they're meant to struggle through life. The ones that grow up being looked after, it's very interesting as they grow up, they'll look after other people. I, I see that in my kids. People used to say, you know, oh, you're spoiling them. No, spoiling kids is when you let them get away with things you know that's not right. And you almost reward them for it? I never did that. I would bless them. They do anything wrong, they get spanked. There was no negotiation. They tried to negotiate. <laughs> They'll tell you. Sarah will come up here and tell you. You know, they say, if Dad said he was going to spank us, it's done. Because I wouldn't negotiate with them. So <laughs> I said, you do that one more time, we get spanked. Why? Because I... See, that's what drives the naughtiness out of them. I know there's laws and everything today, but look what we ended up with. 
bunch of rebellious kids and rebellious society. It's, it's not good. I'm not talking about beating kids because you got an issue. I, I never spanked them, well, maybe once or twice and I repented, when I was mad. You know, okay, give me a break. <laughs> All the other times, I calmed down and then I spanked them. Because I wasn't taking it out on them. I was letting them know this is a bad thing. And if I spank you now, you'll know that there is a price to pay. And hopefully, when, as you grow up, you'll obey the rules of the land. You're here. And you know what? I wouldn't, just, I wouldn't just spank them and then leave them. I would bless once, you know, when they get back in right, I would bless them. I would, you know, as other people would say, spoil them. No, I would just bless them. So they learned that they would get blessed tremendously if they just walked the right path. And that the reason I spanked him is because they were going to hurt themselves somewhere down the line. If they continued that way, and I didn't want that for them. God is doing the same thing with us. That's why he says, if we acknowledge our sin, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sin, cleanse us from all unrighteousness, and then bless us so much that we don't know what to do with it. I added the other bit, but you know what I'm trying to say. You need to know this. <laughs> this extravagant love is seen in Psalm 145, verse 9, where it says in the New Living Translation, the Lord is good to everyone. Do you know this is how much God loves you? God loves everybody. God doesn't say, mm, I'm going to pick today. I love Natasha, but not Zoe. Because you know, I just like Natasha so much more. And <laughs> so he's going, oh, gee, thanks. <laughs> no, no, no. He, no, that's what he doesn't do. You know, we, we sort of walk around thinking, I know you love me more than that person. God, discipline them, God, but love me and forgive me when I do the wrong thing. But if they do the wrong thing, well, bless, especially against me. That's a whole other story. No, <laughs> we pray for them like we would pray for ourselves. What do you want? You want mercy? Pray for mercy. For everybody else. Whatever you sow, you'll reap. When you mess up, <laughs> God will then be merciful towards you. Because that's what you've been sowing. Hallelujah. But I love this again. He says, the Lord is good to everyone. He showers compassion on all his cre creation. This is from the New Living Translation. You know, I really love that. that he sh it, it says he showers compassion on all of his creation. All of it. I try to shower some of it on my cats. Because they're, they're little creations. I get a little bit told off for it. but <laughs> I say, wait till you get to heaven and they can talk. We'll see what they have to say about these things. Anyway, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Okay, that's just Roche. That's not the Bible. All right. <laughs> I can dream, kind of. Jesus makes reference to this on the Sermon on the Mount when he says in Matthew 5.45, he says, in that way, you will be acting as true children of your Father in heaven because he gives sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and on the unjust too. Again from the New Living Translation. I really like that. See, you know, the sun isn't there just for all of us Christians. And it just follows us around. I know, I know astronomy. Okay, don't talk to me. Okay, I, I, okay all right. 
I'm just saying, this is how God is. He blesses everybody. It rains on everybody. Now what's miraculous is when there is a drought and you pray for rain and you, your patch gets rained on. When did that happen? Well, read Isaac's story in the Old Testament. <laughs> Again, a story for another time. Anyway, God, uh, <laughs> excuse me, this is God's special, perfect, eternal love that he lavishes on everyone. And for those who decide to believe and trust in him, God himself says in Jeremiah 31 and verse 34, he says, for I will forgive, that is Jeremiah 31, 34, he says, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Isn't that beautiful? He forgives and he forgets. You need to receive your forgiveness and you need to forget. At least to the point where it doesn't hold you back. You can remember certain things without the sting of it. You can remember those things so that you can be compassionate when other people are, are going through the same thing. But don't remember them to the degree where it's holding you back and you feel like you're useless and you can't do anything. Every one of you has enormous potential. And sometimes, you know, God's bringing this up. I want to talk about it just for a minute. Sometimes the world sets the timing on things. The world says, if you're not doing this by this age or that by that age, you're a failure. I see something different. I see God's timing on things. I see people with different abilities and different growth rates and different callings. And each one is different. We sort of see that in the world, but we don't see that in the body of Christ. We see in the world, you know, some of my friends, they jumped out of school, they just went straight to work. Some others said, I want to go to TAFE or something and, you know, spend about a year learning stuff and then they'll go to work. Others said, no, we want to go to university and then, boy, that can be anything from three years to God knows how long. There are some professional students out there. Okay. <laughs> okay, but you know, they, 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 they take a long time. But you know, some of them take a long time because they're called to bigger things. You can't become a doctor like in six months. You better not become... <laughs> I did my doctorate in the Stevie Wonders. <laughs> Cornflakes packer and here's my degree. <laughs> okay, you know, like the man can't see. And then it doesn't matter. Anyways... <laughs> <laughs> I became an optometrist through him. <laughs> but no, the thing, the important thing is this. It's that, you know, they take longer because they, uh, they're called to bigger things. And you look at that and you think, oh, some people just can't manage that. They can't manage, you know, three or four years of study and then about four or five years of internship and all kinds of things before you even come out the other side. And you're in debt the whole time. And it gets bigger and bigger, you know what I'm trying to say? And there's, but people don't see that in the body. You know, they see, oh, my friends, are, you know, got married and stuff. You know, Sarah was sort of looking at this, and, and uh, I have to be very careful how I say this now. She's not in a hurry to do anything. Because I let her know, I told her, follow God's timing. Don't look at your friends and don't look at what's going on around you. You follow God's timing for your life. 
And so those, you know, those some of her friends that, you know, got married. And, you know, sometimes you can look at that and think, well, <laughs> it's sad to say today some are divorced. See, it isn't about how quickly you get on the bus. It's find the right bus. You get on the bus for you. You stick to God's time because then everything will work. And you might look at your life and think, well, you know, what is my life? What has it come to? Every experience that you've had, everything that you've done, I can tell you this from experience. Everything that led to this ministry, I thought this was taking forever to get to. Now I think I probably could have spent a bit more time out there before I came into this. Hello. You know, in such a big hurry sometimes, aren't we? But, you know, and I said, say, God, yeah, how long? I'm still not, you know, walking in my destiny. It's, you know, when is this going to, because I used to work full time and everything and come home and try to study and I would and, you know, it'd be so tiring, like having two jobs, you know, that sort of a thing. And I'm just be thinking, this is just useless and what is all this worth for? Hey man, everything I did out there today, I'm looking back on and thinking, oh, you taught me that lesson. Oh, you taught me that over here. So don't discount what God is doing with your life. For God so loves you. That he's giving you everything he possibly can. And when the time is right, you will step into what you're meant to step into. Not in the world's timing, in his timing. And when you do, you will shine. I have learned one thing. Wherever you are, whatever you are doing, do your best. Don't look over the horizon and see, you know, whether it's green or over there. Because you're missing what's going on right in front of you. Are you all here? Learn to ask God, God, where I am right now, how can I be the very best that I can be? That's it. And God so loves you that he'll give you his plan. He'll reveal things to you. And he will take you to the best thing for you. Did you hear me? For you. Not for somebody else, for you. All right, having said that, somebody needed that. Thank you, Jesus. Okay, where <laughs> I, I got to get back. How much time do I have left? How, how long have we been going? Take your time and hold it up when you're ready. Okay, so moving on. <laughs> oh, somewhere there. Okay, I got about five minutes. Let's see what we can do in five minutes. All of this, everything is because of God's love toward us. And while the Apostle John says again in John 4.10, In this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us. And sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sin. And in verse 11 He says, Beloved, if, uh, the word there isn't if, it's since. There's no question about this. It literally says, Beloved, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Amen? In his commentary, Thomas F. Johnson says that God's love, not human love, is the model of authentic love. And God's gift of his only son is the extreme act of love, both as to the manner and intensity. Wow. I'll read it again. I don't think everybody got that one. Okay, let me read it again. Okay, everybody listen. God's love, not human love, is the model of authentic love. 
So we can't, you know, this is why it's so important that we take our eyes off the people in our life and how they've loved us and try to attribute that to God. It needs to go the other way. We need to really get an understanding of God's love for us that can only come through revelation and time spent in prayer. I'm sorry, you know, it's one of those things, oh no, prayer, I knew it was going to come up. Yeah, you know, it's talking to God. Do you have a problem talking to God? You have a problem with religious prayer? I do too. I hate religious prayer. Ugh. But I love talking to God. I love listening to God. I love just being in God's presence and not saying anything. You can do that? Yeah, you can do that. It's not all work in there. You go to rest. And if God puts something on your heart, He'll give you the strength that you need to go to battle for something or someone. You don't do it on your own. A lot of people are trying to force things that they're not ready for and God hasn't called them to. And then they wonder how come they're getting attacked. Now we'll get attacked because we are, you know, we are doing God's will in this earth. Remember Jesus in the boat, a storm came. He was right in the middle of God's will and a storm hit. That was demonic. And those will come. But then when they come, you'll be able to stand up and say, Peace, be still. And it will shut down immediately. Back to this, back to this. God's love, not human love, is the model of authentic love. And God's gift of His only Son is the extreme act of love, both in manner and intensity. If you want to know how much God loves us, what you need to do is try to comprehend as much as you can the kind of love that would give up His own Son. That's really where you need to go. And see what happened to Jesus. And how God didn't intervene. Oh, if I was the Father... I would have stepped in at some point and said, you know what, that's enough. But he had to pay the price. A price had to be paid. That's how much he loved you. It's not that he didn't see Jesus. It's that he saw you. As much as Jesus went through, he still saw you. And said, you're worth it. Remember, he paid this at his own cost. Jumping down to verse 16. It says, and we have known and believed the love God has for us. He says, God is love again. And he who abides in love abides in God and God in him. In his commentary, I Howard Marshall explains that John means that the true Christian lives in the sphere of love both as the object of God's love, that is, the love that God has for us, and as the channel of that love to his or her brothers and sisters. Did you get that? We are the object of God's love. He loves us. And because he loves us, then we become the channel that expresses that love to others around. That's why we can say God loves you and we can love them. And said, this is how. Amen? Notice again, yeah, I, I want to bring this out. Notice again that Marshall says that the true Christian lives in the sphere of love as the object of God's love. And that is the key to 
what we are studying with Simon J. Kistemacher writing, by experience, the Apostle John says, we have come to know the love of God and we have put our trust in it. He says, I know it and I trust it. You need to get to know it so much that you trust that love. A lot of times we turn away in fear because we don't trust the love. Do you know all the armor is on your front? You know when it says put on the armor of God? There isn't anything on the back. Don't turn around because you have no armor on the back end. It's all for the front. God doesn't expect you to turn and run. He expects you to stand and fight. Because he's right there with you. You know what happens when you turn and run? God going, God's standing next to you and then suddenly you're going off and he's going, oh, what happened? I'm here, where are you? I have to finish this. All right. <laughs> this is where we all need to get to, living in the sphere of love as the object of God's love. Last commentary, and we'll finish with this. Thomas F. Johnson writes, The love God has for us by saying love from other sources may prove undependable. Even brothers and sisters from one's own community can turn in hatred and rejection, but God's love is not turned on and off. Present one day, but gone the next. Because God is love. Love is God's essential nature. All that God does toward us, all the time, arises out of God's love for us. Amen. Let's have every head bow, every eye closed. Father, we thank you today for your word. and We just thank you, Father, that as we get deeper into this, that we are in fact getting stronger, more secure. And in that, the power of God begins to be released. And we thank you, Father, that we will step out in the future. When the time is right, in your time, God, and allow the gifts of the Spirit to manifest through us. Allow you to work all kinds of miracles through us, understanding that it's not us, that it's you, God, in us. Hallelujah. And we just thank you, Father, that not only do we want to be blessed and get to that place of security, but we want to be blessings to others. But we're not going to do it until we're ready. Because we don't want to be half a blessing. We want to be full blessings. Hallelujah. So help us to grow. Help us to mature. Help us to become those mature sons and daughters of God that you are looking for. In Jesus' name. Amen.